Hey, everybody. Welcome once again to another episode of The Table Podcast. I'm Nick Hand. Hope you're doing great, having a good week. Uh, if you like the podcast, please do me a favor. Tell your friends, like, subscribe, rate, review, all those kinds of things. Help us spread the word. Uh, today on the podcast, Kelsey Igason. She uh, is an activist, an advocate uh, around the conversation of TBI, traumatic brain injury, and its correlation specifically between mental illness and addiction. It's really, really fascinating conversation and food for thought. Remember, this is kind of the point of this long-form conversation, not to tell you what to think, but to kind of put some facts out there, maybe kind of lead you a trail, put you on a trail of information to investigate and to uh, think about things maybe that might be out there that could help us push our world forward if we would engage these thoughts, ideas, and ideals. And so today you're going to hear a lot of information. Uh, you're going to hear a lot of conversation about stuff even that is really still in its infancy, infancy as it pertains to getting our society and people kind of on board with some of these concepts and the possibilities of what we could be facing. Many people um, talk about CTE and things like that uh, as it pertains to people who play football and the effects, the long-term effects. Um, but there actually could be some correlations that are um, far more uh, devastating and affecting our lives in a day-to-day -day matter that you may not even know. And so there's a whole lot of food for thought. I think the cool thing about this conversation is that you are willing to listen with an open heart, open mind, uh, even if you don't agree with a lot of the things, even if you never heard a lot of this information, to kind of set the table to maybe just ask yourself, what do you think about this? It's a really interesting podcast. I know you're going to enjoy it. Uh, without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, Kelsey. So your husband helped out watching the kids? Yes, he he's uh he's off right now for summer waiting to take the end clicks. So What is that? That is the National State Nursing Board. Oh. I don't know the actual acronym what it means, but he has a study period he's going to take for like 8 weeks. That's pretty serious though cuz that takes that takes a lot more time than people think. Yes. Right? Yes, he has dedicated <laughs> He's a pretty strong guy, and yeah. I've seen him break down during nursing school. Really? Um, the amount of time and effort it's taken and just the emotional. He said it was harder than boot camp. He's probably going to kill me for saying that. So he's military? He is Marine Corps veteran. Oh, yeah. Dude, Marines are like he's, my heroes. He's the reason I'm alive. Combat saving life skills wow. saved my life. So, yeah, he's a remarkable Does man. he have like crazy Marine stories? Like, I should have him on the podcast. Like, just you talk should. Marine stories. He has a very remarkable story. Um, you know, he, his dad, I don't want to get it. I mean, I guess I can. His dad was murdered um, when he was a young oh, wow. boy. So he is a product of, you know, not having a father, but he's such a good example. Yeah. He just did everything. His mom raised him very strong in faith. So, yeah. you know, his Marine story. Yeah. He's got some, did good he ones. do like, cause you know how like the Marines go through, uh, I think it's Marines. They go through, through certain training while they're even like, they'll drown, like drown them. Yeah. They have did swimming. Did he ever tell you that? He did. He you didn't. You need to ask him. I know. Kelsey, like, I be know. Like, <laughs> did you ever drown? Like when did you, you were, ever try to drown? that's when you go home, that is like, <laughs> okay, here's, I will. here's a question I need an answer to, because I've always wondered, like you see the, um, um, you see the documentaries and all that kind of stuff, right? right. Like a people that are 
Armed Marine, because I think Marines are just, I mean, everybody that, that serves in the armed forces is incredible. But right. Just like, I'm like, the Marines. I feel like if I went into the military, I'm, I'd most likely maybe go into the Marine Corps. Uh, me too. I want to be like the front line. Yeah, I would want the status of the, is that a thing? <laughs> I don't know. I'm not military, yeah. but. <laughs> I, I would want the status. Like, I would want to be like, oh, I was a Marine, <laughs> you know. Oh, that's hilarious. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I. I think what he learned in the Marine Corps, like all of his team building skills, all of his um, leadership skills are what I feel has made him such a remarkable person. He just really knows how to read people and reach people. And he he's so he calls it tact, but mm -hmm. he just has he learned a lot of self-control, you know, the wins, when to do things yeah. like you know, just to something as simple as like clearing a building, yeah. you know, um, what that takes, what goes into learning that. And then he was a corporal. So he had to go through lots of training in order to be a corporal. He led them in. Yeah. He um, was a grunt. So he traveled in the ocean. His ocean stories are probably the, the, the scariest. Ones. Why? What? Just being he just said being out in the ocean. It you know it was quiet. There were times it was just like he said he couldn't. He, you can't hear a thing. What do you mean out in the ocean? Out on the they go out on boats. Marine is, and then it's just they're just by them by themselves. They're traveling from. They traveled from country to country, and he, from what I understand, yeah. trained other countries in military tactics. Dude, um, there's so much stuff going on behind the scenes that we don't yeah, know. I'm I just gonna even, say that right now yeah. because. It yeah. just makes you wonder. You know what I mean? I'm not sure exactly what that means, but um, like what they... Did you listen to my podcast with Austin Ariola? Possibly. Dude, okay. If you haven't listened to it, it as the last one, we talked about like conspiracy theories and stuff. Oh, okay. And, like, I, in and, and out, kind yeah. Of stuff. In and out. You better go back and listen to it again. Hey, the three kids. <laughs> I have, it's like every 30 minutes. She's okay, like, wait. yeah, in and out. But uh, <laughs> <Not like> but <laughs> about that. Anyway, I'm here today. No, 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 no. <laughs> No, but really, there's all kinds. I'm sure your husband could tell you stories like that too, because I feel like um, there's just always stuff going on, you know. Yeah, he his story of tra when they would, I guess they would get in a littler boat and they would travel to the island, and there's some story about <laughs> him having to go to the bathroom and he had to hold it through the whole thing. He was sweating and they had to crouch down and yeah. just, I mean, just all the things, the the hiking, yeah. the grit. Well, it, it takes grit, it takes, and that's yeah. why I think, you know, I, I'm super passionate about, like, even with our veterans and stuff, because there's so much experience that um, that's hard, and you're, you'll probably talk about this when we talk about your story. It's anybody who's gone through anything that is next-level challenging, right. traumatic, um, dramatic, things that are, are like, life-changing moments— it's it's those those moments where like people are like oh I get it it's like no you don't like, right. like you you don't fully understand and grasp it unless you lived it you yes, know right. and um and so I think like even for people in the military it's always that kind of thing like it's like I I want to listen to them I want to talk more I want to care more I want to have more compassion I want to yes. you know do more because there's no way to fully understand unless you've walked walked that road yes you probably I feel that way a lot with your journey huh I do I think that um. I think that when you live it, you have a different outlook on it, mm -hmm. um, especially with addiction. I think it's so easy when someone's in active addiction to think, oh, they don't care. Yeah. You know, we're, we're, we are very reckless. But uh, a lot when of... When you say we are very reckless, what do you... When 
I say addicts or, uh-huh. or yeah. those in active addiction. I uh-huh. hate the word addict. It's just so like, oh. you know, those in active addiction um, can be reckless. Mm-hmm. Our thought processing, our coping skills, um, our decision making, mm-hmm. it's very selfish. I'm not saying that it's not, but for me, um, when I was in active addiction, I was running from pain. Mm. I used my substances to cope with various pains and stressors, whether it be physically, mentally, mentally, emotionally. And, you know, when I was going through it, my intent was never, you know, to hurt others, but you do. You even hurt yourself. But the sickness and the madness of it is you feel like you're helping yourself in all the chaos. Do you know Tony Hoffman? I don't know him personally, okay. but I know of him. So, yeah. So I've talked with him about this, and it's always interesting. And I feel like it, that's why I say, like, it's interesting to people that have gone through struggle or experienced struggle in a way that most people don't understand or comprehend. There is a level of, um, I don't know, there's a, there's, a level, there's a level of understanding that the person who has walked the journey that they're aware of that it's hard to fully, fully even grasp, you know? So, right. like, even when you talk about your journey of addiction and um it can be easy for people who are on the other side of the table that don't fully understand addiction right to make assumption right to have preconceived ideas or and it's so weird you know what i mean (laughs) like it's so it's so weird how it happens and it's a it's almost like a um like an insensitivity to the subject, but it's not because you want to be, it's just because right. you don't understand, right? you right. know? So it's like, even when, because you're, you, I would assume that you intentionally, like when you talk about us as like, it's almost like an addict community or like fellow addicts, or you refer your, you, like you, I don't even know if you do it, but you refer oh, to yeah, your, I didn't even know you that. refer to yourself as an addict, you know? Right. And, and, and I, you identify. said, like, you identify as that, or you'll say that I'm not, I'm no longer an active addiction. Right. So how does that work? Like as far, I mean, you're going to be much more well-versed than, than I am. I know when I talk right. with Tony, Tony, uh, Tony has the, you know, the perspective and belief that there is a, there's an addict, addictive gene or there's right. a gene that sets you up to be prone from addiction that, right. you know, that science obviously contributes to that and, and all that for, for you and, and addiction, how do you, um, how do you walk the road of recovery without allowing what you've been through to become your identity? That is a great question. Well, and I'm sure everybody approaches it differently. I'm just saying like, how are, how are you approaching that? I, I look at it. I look at addiction. Like I look at any other disease or illness. Okay. Um, If you have diabetes, you're going to take insulin Mm -hmm. to control your diabetes. If you have addiction, you're going to implement care plans. I call them care plans. Care plans into your life that are going to combat that addiction. So, you know, you have obsession um, and then you have triggers. You have um, habits, patterns. So... That what? That are a part of? That are a part of the disease. So, um... So how how do you know? But how do you know, though? Because everybody has obsession, right? Like, I mean, I feel like I have obsession, but I don't know that I would consider myself addict. I... I... 
my journey is so unique because mm-hmm. of my brain injuries. Well, let's start there for people okay, that, yeah. that don't like fully know <laughs> right. your story. Give okay. a snapshot version. Okay, so I um, when I I'm an athlete. Mm-hmm. Um, I started in soccer very young. I could swim by three to five. Yeah. I got up on a slalom ski, single ski when I was five and wakeboard, kneeboard from 10 and up. Yeah. Soccer all my life, cheerleading and gymnastics um, became my fire and passion. So um, athletics was a huge deal for me. Also in the water sports, tubing, I don't know if you guys remember, mm-hmm. if you've ever been no, yeah. out. When you two, I don't know if you've ever been out. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. And, Do you ever get out of here? <laughs> have you ever gone out to the lake anytime? Um, but so, um, you know, tubing, I remember skidding across the water and like doing like four or five front flips and back yeah. flips, you know. And um, so, you know, I was a good athlete and I was, I was very competitive. Um, I thought I was good, anyways. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, so, I started having um, mood problems around, when I say mood problems, erratic behavior, most notably anger. Just, I went from being that happy-go-lucky. So it was somewhat cross-grained to your natural disposition. Right. And I just became a totally different little girl. And what age were you at this? I was like 13, 14 when I remember. Um, 14 was when it got really bad. 14 was the first time I was suicidal. I started um, like self-mutilating or cutting. And I I hit it. um, But I knew that, you know, I knew something was wrong. Where was this? At at this point, could you identify like where it's coming from? Like were there there things triggering you to be self-destructive? At the at this because self harm is I mean that's that's like a whole topic in and of itself right. you know what I mean at this time when you know my mom's what I remember from this time in my life is there was nothing that stuck out that was like traumatic or yeah. I, I wasn't struggling with friends um, I had good friends I was a cheerleader I was you know voted most unique in the yearbook that both years I had I was happy I just remember wanting to take away the racing thought it was like i started having racing thoughts about what just stress worry um my you know things were setting me off that normally wouldn't so at this time you know you're going through a hormonal change puberty stuff right so uh, puberty was a big concern the Mm -hmm. doctors were like okay well my mom i'm took me to my doctors because they're all noticing that okay right it's it seems beyond what is because i mean think about it for a parent your, if your kids are, you know, 12, 13, 14, you're like, oh, great, here we go, here comes puberty. Right. But it was enough that they thought, okay, this is something, we need to look into something's this. not, not right. normal. Right. So, you know, so we went through the puberty thing. They, possible depression, but I think it was like, well, let's see if things level out. So summer comes and freshman year starts, and I and I do well. I, I make the cheer team. I, but at, in eighth grade is when I started tumbling. So I started learning about handsprings. I started um, my private cheer team where I was catching all that. I was a base. And mm-hmm. it was the first time I was doing two teams. I was starting to get very involved. Okay. And so, you know, all of this started happening like around the same time. So, um, you know, my freshman year, I 
did well. I still really struggled. At this point, I started struggling with depression. Mm -hmm. I vividly remember being like unsatisfied with everything I was doing. I had trouble focusing in school. I was now starting to like not even want to pay attention in class. My focus started shifting. Um, the physical symptoms I was having were headaches and nausea, hmm. period. It's yeah, like, oh, yeah, okay, well, yeah. you know, you're in puberty, yeah. you know. Maybe so, it's just normal. Right. So, you know, as a young female, kind of the things I was going, the self-harm subsided. I was really focused, but I was really unhappy I was more focused. We, let's pause and talk about the self-harm thing, though, because this, okay. that's something that really intrigues me. For, for you, how did you even discover the whole idea of self-harm is that it gives some source of, of relief, right, for a lot of people that do it, right? So, like, the people that I've, ex I, I've had, you know, relationship with or known, it gives the, the pain for them gives some sort of, like, an endorphin release. release kind of like a drug. Right. Right. For you... Do you remember how you even started that? Like, where do you, but how were you how, self harming? Like, how, how I even seen Well, how it. are you self harming? I was cutting. Okay, so cutting your wrist? Yeah. Ra like um, razors or, I mean. I think it was like scissors. Yeah. Like, well, I don't. People, you, I mean, all kinds of things. Yeah, like, yeah. Um, I, I, I don't, I don't even remember how I saw it or what triggered the thought mm -hmm. i mean i don't know it could it could have been anything at that time for me i'm I, I it's so i just remember feeling so lost like just mm. i remember started feeling like i was losing control right i was losing control of my drive yeah. my vision you know i was raised my parents they really instilled you know, m morals and values. They really, tr they, we used to sit and eat dinner together. We used to talk. So I was very close to my family. So for me, it was a very shameful thing. Mm. And I'm somebody, mm -hmm, and I did, I was at, I did come to my mom and I was like, I do not feel right. I always, did came they to my know mom. that you were cutting? Yeah, they did eventually find out. And then that's when, we started going to the doctors and, and all that yeah, started okay. happening. But so I that was part them. of the tr that was part of the trigger. Right. That moved, moved right. Into yes. That was health. like when I started my whole medical, like that's when the trail, I like to call it okay. a trail, but that's when the, the trail started. Uh -huh. Um, so it's, you know, I, I, I can't really say what was that defining moment that was like, I'm going to try you this, found yourself there. but I, I did. Yeah. I found that it had released, a, a stress for me yeah. what but I couldn't ever identify for me what that what that change was um so I so I so I started you know my freshman I started going through all that and um you know I started I just started struggling everything just I just became lost that's the best way for me to describe it what I used to like I didn't like anymore what I liked you know, now what I liked, it wasn't good enough. And then, you know, I'm in class, I can't focus. It just, it felt like I was losing grasp of all the things that I called me. Yeah. So, um, you know, I switched schools a bunch of times. I kept trying to figure out what the problem was. I didn't even really have necessarily a problem. It was just like, I, I didn't know what was wrong. Yeah. So, you know, I think I went through friends like, well, okay, maybe it's my friends, you know, maybe I don't feel like I fit in. I mean, I went through every possible scenario of what could possibly 
be causing my shift because I really cared. I really wanted, I had this, this plan and this goal for my life and I really wanted to do all these things. I had all these, these goals and aspirations. And when I started getting thick into sports, it's weird. I was so in love with my sport and I was so focused and I was so involved Mm -hmm. and I enjoyed it. But when it came time to sitting down and learning and like when the dust settled from the sport and I'm at home, you know, and I remember taking baths and just feeling like I wanted to die. Like I wanted to throw up. I had headaches and you didn't know how to go back to regular. Right. Like everything changed. My new normal became neck pain, head pain, nausea, not being able to focus in class, mood swings. So I where mean, did it go from there? So so for, um, I continued doing sports. So the I, I switched schools, and um, the summer before my junior year was when I was really introduced to drinking and smoking weed. Mm-hmm. And so it, that's where it started. Um, definitely for me, I believe alcohol is the trigger drug. Mm-hmm. When I went to rehab, I was taught pot is the gateway drug or gateway drug for me i strongly believe that you drink first and it opens the gate to like oh well i got drunk like Mm -hmm. for me now now i think i could probably try this pot stuff you know that was like my thought process so my friends drastically changed and even my good friends we were at an age where it was like we were all experimenting I was not, you know, the only athlete, mm-hmm. you know, out here. It was like, it was our well, It was a pretty normal path. I mean, right. that's not like a sub, you know. That. Right. We were just being kids. Um, I don't know if it was normal, but it was. It's society normal. Right. You know what I mean? Right. It's, com- it's, a, it's a. Like somewhat, varsity blues. Was well, I mean, it's somewhat of a, yeah, somewhat of a common trajectory. Right. 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 So, um, so I. I'm sorry, where did I leave so off? You, so you got into alcoholism. <laughs> okay, so I using got into drinking and, and smoking pot. And then, so um, I start my junior year, and just before, like the week before I start my junior year, I started using cocaine. Mm-hmm. I used it at a friend's house, and I remember the first time using it, you know, I wasn't really sure. I was like, well, like, how am I supposed to feel? You know, it was a very confusing time. And then the second time I did it, I was addicted. I knew right away. I was like, I'm, this solves all my problems. It elevated my mood. It helped me focus. I felt like me again. If I could describe, mm-hmm. like it gave me back that zazz, that, sp- that spunk, that spark. Um, and I, for a month or so, was able to kind of hold it together. But then month two, three, and four... Um, it got ugly fast. And I don't know if it got ugly fast. I don't know that it necessarily got ugly, but for me, it got ugly. I knew I'm addicted to this. I'm willing to do anything for this. Well, Mm -hmm. I felt like, you know, I was lying already. But how old are you at this time? 16. So how are you getting cocaine at 16? Like, what do you mean? Like, you know what I mean? If you know, like, I need this, how? Who are you? There <laughs> are people <laughs> that go to school and sell drugs. So you're getting it from your, your high school? Who, not my high school, but people within the community my age that knew how. I mean, I got introduced. So the, the person that I used with the first time, I had known this person throughout I'd known them all, and um, what happened was a group of individuals came to the house that had it, Mm -hmm. 
and this story. And I was out back and um, they were in the bathroom and I was like, oh, you know, what are you guys doing? Like joking. They were looking out the window and they're like, come in here. And I was always kind of like one of the boys. I hate to say Mm -hmm. that, but a lot of my friends that I grew up with were 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 boys. So I hung out with the boys a lot. I don't know if I felt safer or what, but I just always was with my my guy friends. And um, so they asked me to come to the bathroom. I was like, no, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to go in there. And they're like, you won't do it, Kelsey. You won't go. And that just want to be cool person got up and went. And I went into the bathroom and I will never forget that, that night. Um, so I think once I used in that bathroom, I was like, oh my gosh, like I can snort something, you know? So I was like, oh, okay. Like I, I did this and it wasn't that scary. So mm-hmm. the second time I was offered it, um, I wasn't scared. And this was like, I don't even remember how this person and I connected that we did it. I probably, I assume, told him. But I had picked him up and I will never forget, like, I used and I was driving and I and it had hit me. And I was like, oh, my gosh, like, I'm, a, I'm addicted to this drug. Like, After time two? Time two for me was the profound moment that I remember. I, I was in my car and I, the song Muscle Cars came on. And I was like, oh, my God, music s- sounds so amazing. Yeah. You know, like, bah, bah, bah. you know, I was just like, I can wow, hear all the sounds. Is, whoa, whoa. Like, you know, so it was just a really intense moment. And mm-hmm. I just remember vividly being like, I can do this. This okay. is for me. So um, four months in, I asked for help. Um at this point, four months in though, how often are you using? Oh, I think I was only using. I went from every weekend. By the end, I was like trying to get it. I was skipping school, so this yeah. is when I knew. Okay, because I, you're you're it's fully interrupting your life, and you fully, have to have it fully. Like I'm showing up to school in pajamas, okay, and I'm very close to my Spanish teacher. Her name is Mrs. Parr. She's a huge part of my story. She came up to me. I used to wear, you know, the Chanel like yeah. fake sunglasses, and I was. And I remember I started coming in sweats and pajamas, like not fixing my hair. I'm so what, that was like team. a sign to her that, hey, she what's knew. going on with you? Yeah. So, so I where was, does the brain injury come into all this? Well, so uh, as a, as an athlete and as a gymnast, um, well, the brain injuries come from any fault. A, a concussion is any blow to the head or body that causes movement in the brain. So that movement causes the tearing. Um, when but we, you attribute a lot of your addiction to... I, tri- I do tri- attribute the triggering event to my substance abuse is the head injuries that triggered the mental health issues that triggered the Okay, addiction. so let's rewind. So you, so then the, the cause of the mood swings and all of that you're saying yes. was rooted in head trauma. Yes. So this is how I look at it. When you use a drug, you don't know if you're going to be an addict. You're not a guarantee. Addiction is not a guaranteed disease that may come out. Not everybody that drinks is an alcoholic, and not everybody that uses a drug is an addict. There are a classification of people that use and drink and stop, and they go on with their lives, and it was a season of their life. I and what and and what they found is that when you hit your head, you you have you trigger mental health. Issue, you can trigger mental health issues. I believe it's 65 or 56 around their percent of people who get head injuries. Multiple. It has to be repetitive hits to the head. The more and that hits was you, you? Get, yeah. I mean, I I fell tubing. I for sure. I mean, there's pictures of me uh-huh. at the at the lake 
where I took towels and I got them wet and I covered the whole front of the boat and I dug down inside this hole and fell asleep. Light sensitivity, headaches, sleep, exhaustion, you know, I mean. Is we, this like doctor diagnosed or self-diagnosed? Well, based on, it's diagnosed like how through do you, my history. Like how do you decide, because here's where I'm at. Like, I hear, like, the whole addiction gene thing, right? Right. So, like, how do you decide that my addiction behaviors isn't a result of my genetic disposition, but it, it all, is It all connected. matters. There, it all matters. We, it all plays a part. Okay, so a mental health issues, if they run in your family, if you're predispositioned to them, if you continue to hit your head, it's like light in the fire. You might ignite those issues within your brain. So you're gonna ignite depression. Think about your brain like a computer. Mm -hmm. If you go up to your computer and you beat your computer, right. one time you're gonna turn it on and the lights are gonna flash. Yeah. Okay, that's a little weird. Beat it some more. Next time you turn it on, the keyboard might not work. Yeah. Might not respond. Beat it some more. Next time the screen might not turn on. So when we hit our heads, we don't know how our brains are going to respond to that. So have you had like brain scans though that show you have head trauma? So the only way to have your brain scanned and to track um, the damage is through a diffusion tensor imaging and okay. it's called DTI. And what it does is it tracks the white matter in your brain and it tells you what parts of your brain are are active, what parts are receiving, you know, so it can kind of yeah. tell where the damage is. The thing with brain injury and the thing that is so unique about it is a there's a couple things too. No two brain injuries are alike. So you could see somebody with the same injury but have totally different responses. Someone might lose their speech, someone might have anger. It just, right. you know, so it really Depending just Depending on where the injury is right. at. And Our brains are unique to us. Just like with mental health, you know, your symptoms and and what comes out in you is going to be different than someone else. Your mania and bipolar is going to look different than this person's mania and bipolar. Your schizophrenic tendencies, if you're di diagnosed on that, the spectrum mm -hmm. or however they say, your, your, your tendencies might be different than someone else's. So mm -hmm. with brain injury and and what happens with your brain injuries might be might be different from someone else. It's okay. very unique to you. So with me, when I went to rehab, they were like, okay, well, you know, what do you feel like is, it was the triggering moment that pushed you to use substances? And I said, well, my, you know, my moods and I went, you know, I didn't have at this time any significant trauma or so. So you at that point aren't making the correlation. Yeah. We're like, okay. here's this girl four months into substance abuse, goes to her mom and asks for help, shows up to rehab smiling, thrilled to get help. You know, I sit down, I, I give them all the things that are going on and we can't find, you know, there's no rape, there's no you know, divorce. I, I didn't have, I just didn't have these, like, you know, I'm sitting the in the normal right, childhood triggers right. that set you up. So, you know, it was just kind of like, okay, well, mental illness, because all of my symptoms showed mental illness, depression, possible bipolars, possible schizophrenia. I mean, when I was using drugs, you know, I would hear things, you know, so, um, what do you mean? If I stayed up too many days, you know, on uppers, I would start, to get delusional hallucinating mm -hmm. yeah very schizophrenic just yeah. 
so paranoid. But not as a result of the drugs or as a, as result, a result of, of the, the drugs. drugs. So the drugs would subside and and I my baseline, which was what was normal for me, would return. But the rehab just really struggled to give me something to heal from, you know, like that trauma. So I went down the mental health uh, diagnosis route and I was diagnosed two different antidepressants and a sleep aid mm -hmm. because my symptoms were, um, you know, erratic moods and my sleeping was really irregular. I would sleep. One day I'd sleep all day. The next day I wouldn't sleep at all. And this was before, even before the drugs. Obviously drugs interrupt your sleep, but I had started, one of the biggest things my mom thought, I, one of the biggest things my mom hated and reason she thought I was struggling from depression was that I could not get up in the morning. Mm -hmm. I would like not want to get up one morning, the next day I'd want to sleep all day, or maybe I wouldn't want to sleep at all. So it was just, everything was like a mess. Right. For a, for a while, for for you know a year at least with the behavior changes. So, but what did your scan say? I'm still. How does this correlate? How is it different than just mental illness? Aside from assumption, like what did your what did it show? Well, I so I had a CT scan mm -hmm. when I hit my head. Mm -hmm. Um, I did. What do you not, mean when you hit your head? So, um, when I um. Okay, can I can I just yeah. yeah okay so I um so I asked for help, um, when I um <clears throat> when I uh, got home I sub submerged myself into the AA community, and I started my sobriety journey and went really thick into it on my medications, and going to therapy and doing everything that my care plan told me. To. This is I am somebody who wanted to get better. Mm -hmm. I would have done anything you told me to do. Mm -hmm. I was 16 in AA, 17 in AA. I had no friends. I quit all, I, I good goodbye calls from rehab. I mm -hmm. had no friends when I came home. I focused on my sobriety and it was one of the hardest things I've, I've ever done. I could not keep it. I, and I'm not attributing necessarily head injuries to my lack of sobriety, but I never, God, like I never believed that I was just crazy. So you don't, okay, so you don't attribute your head injuries to your addiction. I don't attribute my head injuries to the relapsing. I think that the moods, I think that that played a part, but. Some of that, is, some of that though is, right, it's is like internal. It's so mixed. It's. But that's person, you're saying more than just like health diagnosis you're saying some of that is personal conviction that you think that you don't feel right. that you are naturally right. like your, di your disposition wouldn't lead you naturally to that right um, so the only thing that you can do to make sense of it and the correlation that you do see right. is the lifestyle and things that you had that you know when you say you slamming the computer up against the wall right, and right. that's where you're gathering some of that opinion so to speak right like for me i i just felt like I didn't, I, there was something missing. Like, Is there I addiction in your family? Not that I'm aware of. There's nobody in my family that, that pri prior to me that has gotten help for substance abuse treatment. Now, that I'm not- What about mental illness? Um, yes, there are people that have gotten help for mental illness. So that's where this comes in. So if you have a risk for mental illness, then when you hit your head, you are at a higher risk for that mental okay. illness. So this is a contributing factor mm -hmm. to my addiction. Gotcha. It's not, addiction not is not, yeah, addiction is not, 
the is not just a one-stop shop. You don't just come in and say, okay, well, I have this one issue and you know, it's, it's contributing to the whole thing. Uh You know, it's, I think that this played a part and I think this played a big part and I think it was such a big part Mm -hmm. that it needs to be shared. I think that we talk so much about I'm mentally ill. I'm sick. I'm hopeless. I can't get help. My brain is sick. My brain won't work. And I, and and I understand that and I respect that. Which is true for a lot of people. And that is very true. And I, I so, so respect that. But for me, I, I knew, I knew that I could overcome. I knew there was more. I don't know how to describe it. I just struggled and I, the answers never fell into place. I, I struggle a lot with sensory overload now that I'm able to identify it. One of, some of the, the symptoms that I struggle from are sensory overload, lack of attention and focus. And these are all so easy to say, oh, okay, well, these are mental illnesses. This is ADHD. This is... Um, you know, whatever you can label it, however, however you want. But for me, you know, I just, I never felt like I had that, that missing factor. If I could Mm -hmm. describe my life, it was like I had, I had a math equation and I was given all these factors and all these care plans, but I was always missing a number. When someone educated me and counseled me about brain injuries and, what the symptoms look like, what happens when you hit your head, what, um, what are the outcomes that can happen, I, I found that missing factor. And I was able to solve problems. When you say missing factor, though, you're saying you found the explanation? Yes. like Is that I what you're fa- meaning? Yeah, I found, I found for me, I was never educated about right. my brain. Most people aren't. I wasn't educated about functions of behavior and why we do the things we do. No one ever sat me down and was like, you know, because you have this, A, B, C, and D might happen. It was just for me, it was like, okay, well, you're mentally ill. Here's your med- medications. You're a right. drug addict. You know, go take all this. But that's also the world we live in. I mean, nobody, right. th- nobody sits anybody down and tells them. And I think right. a lot in a lot of ways... That is the sad part about right. um, about being in a diagnosed happy society, right? right? Like, I think that the human the human psyche is programmed. I think Brene Brown talks about it. How we're neurobiologically wired to search for answers, right? So, and this carries over into every area of your life. When right. somebody looks at you funny, right. your brain immediately goes into, "Oh, they don't like me. They don't like what I'm wearing. They don't like the way that I look. They don't. They don't think that I'm cool." Right. And a lot of times, they could be thinking about something completely different. Right. But because we're neurobiologically wired to look for answers. It doesn't even have to be the right answer as long right. as we come up with an answer, we're satisfied and able to move on. I think right. that that same programming that is a part of humanity then gets translated into our occupations, into our right. political system, into the way that we do things right. to where we're not really looking for the answer. We're just looking for a answer. So right. you get in a diagnosed happy culture right. where um, you have this, you have that, you have that. And, and the bottom line is there are people that have those things. Right. There are people that do have chemical imbalances. There are people, mental illness is a real thing and should be talked about. Absolutely. But then you do have, I mean, you look at the, the pharmaceutical, um, drug, drug world, you know, like big farm type, type organizations. Uh, you don't have to dig very deep to realize that we are in a prescription 
you know, happy, happy prescription, right. happy society right. where well, here, just take this. So right. there, there's this fine line between let's help the people that need help, but let's also not, not push people into things that they really aren't. Right. You know what I'm saying? Right. Right. I, you know, I think for, for me, um, I, can I, can I keep telling the story like sure. in Chronicle? It's easier for me if I, so when I, when I went to rehab and I came home and I, I started going through all of that, you know, I, I did well and I went to A and I went to NA and I, and I, t- I accepted my diagnoses and I, and I worked with them and, and Which I were what again? with depression and, um, possible schizophrenia, possible bipolar. They, they never, I never really got a clear answer from my providers as a teen, what went wrong. So what happened is when I got older, I started going through my own therapy. So what happened is I, I'm skipping way out of order. So, um, I went, okay, 16, I come home, 17, I am continuing to struggle. I relapse several times. I'm still having mood. I'm on these medications. I'm on these on all of this stuff, and I'm still continuing to have mood problems, but I'm still continuing to hit my head because during this time, I was running away a lot. I would run away, and I would... What do you mean you're still hitting your head? You're running away? I, well, I started getting in physical altercations, physical fights, um... Like they're punching you to the yeah, dome? Yeah, I had been in a few, you know, altercations when I was not sober. Okay. And, you know, I started experiencing head injuries in a different way. Uh, you know, the truth is I can't prove to you if I've had all these head injuries. I have no way to sit here and tell you I've had all these head injuries. Mm-hmm. But I can tell you when I fell, how yeah. many times I fell on my head and neck and how, and the changes that occurred after that. So you could so you can identify a direct correlation based I upon can. your experience yes. is what you're saying. And I am somebody who's kept journals since I was in fifth grade. And I was able to we took all of my life and we and we made it a puzzle. Mm-hmm. And we just we I'm just God so had it that I love to write. Mm-hmm. And I have these I guess artifacts, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. of my life. Yeah. And very thorough. And so I got with a team of doctors. And this was post-recovery. Yeah. So this, I'm, I, like I said, I'm no, sorry. Fine. I'm skipping so out of turn. This is podcast. Okay, we're I've not, never done this. We're not looking this. for a polished story. Okay. okay. Because what's bigger, what's bigger than your experience is the principles that you learned from it. Okay, that, okay. That's what people need to grasp. Okay, you know what I mean? I see. Everybody's journey is so different. I see, and I so see. Okay. And so that's why it's like beyond, you know, the, the, I think the thing that I take away even from conversation with you already, there's no clear cut clear cut prescription for everything. Right. And so if right. we can understand the principles that actually bring about wholeness right. in situations. Right. Because here's what's happening. People are listening to your story and it could be a mom thinking about her daughter who's a right. cheerleader. You know what I mean? Right. So part right. of it, and this is what I do appreciate from what I've seen from your work and what you do is the awareness side. Right. Because awareness is yes. the birthplace everything. of change, right? Like yes. we've got to know we got to know. I mean, it's like the whole football thing. Uh, what do they call the, the the thing that when people, when the football players hit their, no, but it's called something. Huh? CTE. CTE. So it's, but it's, but it's the same thing. Like in, in the sense of, I mean, we have football players for years and we never knew. Right. We didn't even address, yeah. We didn't address it. We didn't, maybe we didn't know about it for right. a while. Maybe we didn't know what to call it. Maybe right. we didn't, couldn't make the correlation. We didn't know, yeah. The correlation. Right. So that's what I'm saying that I, 
I want to know what are the facts, and then what are the facts that aren't established yet? To me, that's the part of, of, okay. your, of your story, too, right? Like right. You, you maybe can't medically prove it yet, but, right. but there's a lot of people without throughout history that when they were bringing their story to the table couldn't prove it yet. But they, right. were, they were getting the conversation going, going for, right. for the person who is the listener to say, we need to look into that more. We need to study that more. We need to be advocates as you are for this more to get people to right. you know to turn to turn heads i think i think that what speaking from a mother's lens it you know the, the changes that i felt most significantly and i want to make this very clear i don't blame a coach or a sports team or a teacher or anyone for my head injuries in sports we did not address concussions like we do now and mike i had some of the do most- we even do it now we're supposed to but i mean we're trying <laughs> i mean like think behind. about I, I don't i don't <laughs> I know. know i mean there's no, there's, there's part of of humans that That's are like I'm out here <laughs> well but there's part of humans that are like we like it anyway i mean right th- th- we i mean it's like the whole ai conversation right that we had with um Austin or whatever, or you listen to Rogan and Elon Musk talk about, right. you know, like, like the whole phone thing. And like, right. I mean, there's there, you like, I mean, you realize like government, like people can track us right. through our phones. Like right. who's to say they can't turn it on and be listening to our conversation right now if they wanted to, you right. know what I'm saying? But most people would say, so then what do you, what is the alternative? Give up your phone? Right. Well, most people are going to be like, oh, I right. think I'll let them listen in. You know what well, I'm saying? So right. to me, the, what I'm saying is sometimes it's the same thing. Just, uh, you think about Will Smith's movie or whoever that started like really lifting up the the cap on a mi- normal mainstream American society awareness to um, these types of uh, of things. Well, we're still we're still doing football. You know what I mean? Right. Like, so there's a part of it that's like, well, right. you know what you're getting into. Right. Like, that that sh- it's a very human thing. Right. Because we like it and it's right. a part of our culture. And I, so so I think that the the awareness side though is almost the potential starting place for So what for separates a concussion from a mental illness are the physical symptoms. Okay, pause. So what separates a, a say it again. Concussion What separates a concussion as a as opposed to being mentally ill cuz concussion symptoms so easily mimic mental illness, but with a concussion system concu- With a concussion comes physical symptoms. So nausea, blurred vision, um, dizziness, loss of consciousness. So when a child hits his head, obviously the hit is the is the is the deciding factor, you know, or that you if you hit been hit, you know, okay, I've been hit. I probably have a concussion. But what what identifies the concussion is the hit accompanied with one or more physical symptoms and the mood. And so there's PCS, post-concussive syndrome, includes um, a cluster of symptoms that include mental, emotional, and physical. So when I was playing my sports, I know for sure that I had the concussions because following a hit or a practice, not everyone, but often I felt the physical symptoms, the headache, the nausea, the vomiting. Um, Sometimes it depended. Um, After practice, usually. Um, I also was the type of athlete, and this is... So you had concussion symptoms along with 
these mental illness symptoms. Exactly. That if that's yeah, that's a good way to describe it. So you're it. not just depressed or yeah, anxious. No. You're also throwing up and right. you're also sick. And these symptoms can can last. You know, they can vary. But m- right after multiple concussions or hits to the, hits to the head, you're gonna have a physical symptom. And that's what we tell you know, or that's what they tell. Were you aware of these concussions as you're having them? I I mean. Looking back at the tricks we did and the girls, I mean, I was a base and I'm five foot. That's that's kind of common, but usually, you know, someone my size is a flyer. Um, I was very good at it. And I think about all those times I caught the girl. We think we hit our heads and we just get a concussion. It can be a hit to the body. Anything that causes the brain to I've move. never heard that. That's true? Yes, that's true. So you can get a hit to the body and have a concussion? A concussion is any blow to the head or body. That it doesn't matter. If it causes the brain to move, it causes the brain to move. Mm. Your brain is this spongy little thing in your head or big mm-hmm. and it is surrounded by water and then it's surrounded by the skull in the front of the head the skull and i'm not a doctor so i'm just mm-hmm. telling you what i've learned from my experience but you say that you have met with doctors yes i have a whole team i had so when i put my story back together and went through all of my journal entries, my moods, you know, the things I identified. I mean, I these are all facts just from the things I wrote. I was able to correlate physical symptoms with the mood symptoms. And I was able even in my some of my journal entries, it's like, oh, my God, I was at practice and I, this girl fell. I was at the bottom when the pyramid fell, you yeah, know. So you could literally read it. Yeah, your- I mean, these are – I literally for – you know, by the grace or by the because of God, I was able he gave me this love for writing. I was able to go back and kind of put my life together like a puzzle. So that accompanied with um, so what I changed about my um, care plan now that I feel is missing that I didn't have before was the brain injury awareness, which, you know, that comes with all of the physical and emotional symptoms, but also, um, oh my gosh, I forgot what I was saying. I'm sorry. How do you, how do you draw, like you talk about the correlation between, between the two. Do you have, there's other people that stand behind this line of thought, right? Oh yeah. This is, is, I I know it's not, and I think that that's part of why it comes across that you're passionate about it Mm -hmm. is because it's, there's not a lot of awareness about it. No, I mean, you, okay. So I love, the autism spectrum, you know, we didn't used to have a spectrum for autism. It used, we hardly even diagnosed it. Where like does we autism do. come into well, this? Well, I'm, I'm, I'm bringing this up because brain injury, we um, we are diagnosing it so differently now mm. that if we went back in mm-hmm. time, mm-hmm. I'm talking yeah. back before psych was written. Right. And we were like, how many of our controls hit their head? Did we even check into that like all these people that showed these signs of mental illness how many of these people had a head injury assessment taken because we have proved through dr amalu's work through cte through the autopsy who's dr amalu dr amalu is the man who was played by will smith in concussion okay okay, okay. he concussion is such a it's kind of a miscon it's a 
Okay, so he played. You're saying it's a good movie, but it doesn't fully represent the whole well, the, entirety of Dr. the. Well, Dr. Malu says the title is not correct because concussion's not a proper term. Traumatic brain injury is now how we address concussion. What makes it improper? Um, we don't use the term concussion. If you get diagnosed a concussion, you get diagnosed a mild traumatic brain injury. Just because you. F- what is the is the mentality that concussion is too so, old hat and people don't take it seriously? Is that the. Well, it's like, just. Like, what's not wrong a, with it calling it concussion? I mean, it's. In the medical fields, it's it's just not the it's just not the diagnosis. It's uh-huh. they now classify it as a mild traumatic brain injury. So what's a concussion? A concussion is a mild traumatic brain injury. Okay. They're saying it's an injury to your brain. It's mm-hmm. it's exact. They want it classified as a traumatic yeah. brain injury. So you know it, it begs the question: What if we went back and like when? after my suicide attempt, if we did, like they did a head injury assessment on me, if we took a head injury assessment and, you know, were able to see how many head injuries this person sustained, when they, you know, possibly when they sustained them, and then the moods that followed, you know, what came first, the brain injury or the or the mental, you know, yeah. illness. It's I don't like, know. Yeah, yeah. And I and that's my story. I don't chicken know what or, chicken or the yes. egg thing, dude. I don't know what came first. I don't know if the Are mental- there studies though? Like I mean, you look at you know, you talk about athletes, but I mean there's you took a talk about cheerleading and then we've talked right. about football, but I mean even like in the UFC and things like this. I mean uh, there's a Yeah. is there are there studies coming out about because what to me the distinction that is that is it's not suspicious, but I think it it definitely requires like how I started the conversation the conversation to really understand the empathy to say, okay, yeah, there could be something here because to understand what you're saying at first without conversation, it sounds like you're saying that brain injuries cause mental illness. But what you're, what I hear you communicating is that it has the potential to enhance things that, that are, there's, there's, there's there's cracks already in the cement, so to speak. So it dramatizes and makes them worse. You're saying, I mean, literally you're shaking your brain up. You're, you're, you're you're jarring, you're jarring the, the operating system computer of your physical body. No doubt then that's going to have an effect on your mental health because it is is the key component in the mental part of humanity. Right. It's, it's it's exactly how it sounds. It's like, do you want to possibly, is the risk worth the reward? Is the risk of hitting your head, for me, for sports, you know, is the risk worth the reward? Is the risk of hitting your head worth the reward of the sport? That's my question for right, my which family. Seems so, but what's so funny about this is it's so, to me, it's so, so classic human. Like, it seems so simple to know, like. Hey, don't hit your head right. because you, <laughs> yeah. you, you know, you might mess something up. You know, the fact that we right. have, the fact that we have to bring awareness to that almost sounds silly. It feels silly, but at the same time, it's imperative to because we're because of that neurobiologically wired thing to just quickly find a result. You start making problems that it's like. I talk a lot about roots, you know, so you're look, you're thinking it's this, but there's something way down here that is causing that. Right. You know, you think that it, it's just, oh, it's, it's whatever, you know, it's, right. this, it's just how I'm prone or I have a, um, something I went through. But then there's also, I think is what you're saying. Are we looking at other things? Right. Like, you know what I mean? Especially, especially, picture. especially in a society where we push our children and we push ourselves, especially like when they're young, to do sports and things like this. Right. And it's that conversation of awareness of what you're saying of 
paying attention to what we're doing because it has greater effect probably than what we think. Right. 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 I'm at, I'm, I'm not here to change sports. I love sports. I don't, I'm not, that's not my goal. My goal is to bring awareness to that mom who is sitting in her kitchen at night crying because her little boy or little girl is out running the streets and she's saying, I feel like I've done everything that I possibly could for my child and my child is so sick. What what can I do? I mean, tried everything from psych diagnoses, from medications. Like, we were a fa- I, I wanted to give other, we were a family that was willing to do whatever it took to find that find that change and find that healing. So I think that it really, there's no magic pill. Okay. There's no magic treatment, just like mental illness. The treatment for TBI is education. What is TBI? Traumatic brain injury. Okay. Education, awareness, um, support groups. It's almost similar, very similar to AA recovery type of type of deal. It's a full thing. You have a whole team. You have, it's multidisciplinary. You have, so I had a speech. So what's your message though? You, you say you're here for that mom for what? To well, tell her what? To I'm what is to the next step? You know, The next step. Well, so if she's tried everything and it's not working, you know, her next step would be to go down the neuropsych route to look into the neuro side of things. You know, is there a possible seizure disorder? Um, neuro and psych and psychiatry, they go hand in hand. You know, neuropsych evals are different than regular psych evals. You know, there's a lot more that goes on with sequencing and memory. And it's it's very much re- how Im- information is brought in, you know, how it's brought out. And Is treatment different, though, like in the sense of, like you, you're, here's where my mind's at. You're talking about, you know, brain injuries, you know, obviously drawing your mind, which is, could be the potential cause of mental illness. Right. Um, does does it matter that it comes from head trauma? Aside from, the, you know, as, as, the reason I say aside from awareness for the future, for the person who has already, exper- already experienced the trauma, if there is mental illness there, then because of that, is the treatment the same as any other mental illness? Um, yes, it is very similar. I think, though, what made finding out about traumatic brain injury so important for me, looking back, was that I continued to get head injuries even after sports because I went through homelessness in 2009. I was incarcerated in the Fresno County juvenile justice system. As a result of your addiction, uh-huh. right? Yeah, decisions I made. My um, uh, my parents had exhausted, I, I, I get, you know, I am, I feel all of, I guess they felt all of the resources and I had just become completely out of control my senior year in high school. I was trying to hold it together but I was just I would go three months and do okay and then boom be gone again and so gone again back on yeah like I would run away for a week because what was happening at this time was I became very I don't want to say lockdown's not the right word but my parents really had had a tight leash on me I was young and I was in recovery and they were they were trying to keep me um close and I just would feel so overwhelmed and so lonely and trying to stay. I remember being in AA meetings and 
just begging, like thinking, God, please send in a teenager to be sober with me. You know, it was really. You felt alone. It was some of the darkest, darkest days of my life. Like I remember just feeling like I was losing my mind, but I, I felt so alone in my sobriety, but yet felt so taken care of because so many people had taken me in, in the AA community. And so do you, do you, are are you saying then though, that your mental illness led you to addiction? I, I believe that there's, I believe that my, and I want you to be honest about your conviction because I think it's important. I mean, that's what this, I, I don't, I don't believe I'm I'm mentally ill. Okay. I don't believe I have mental illness. So I am you don't not believe diagnosed. That. Okay. I'm not diagnosed mentally. So what illness. about the depression? Depression, maybe bipolar, maybe schizophrenic. <laughs> so after, um, so in 2017, I was in. Um, I I I stayed sober. Um, in my 20s, on and off, I had a pretty good life. I went to school. Um, after I graduated from the juvenile justice campus and came home. I had a son and I got my life together. And, um, in 2017, I was in a minor car accident where I slammed my face on my steering wheel. Um, I had a bloody nose and I was just, it, it was, I was shaking up. Um, I was so dizzy after EMT came. I was like, I'm so dizzy. I, I cannot drive. They were like, okay, EMT is coming. So EMT checked me out. They said, okay, you're fine. You can drive. I said, but I'm way too dizzy. I cannot drive. So I was a block from my house. So they had me call my dad and my dad came and my dad followed me home. I got home and I remember that night going to bed and I just was telling my husband, I do not feel good my stomach hurts. I told him, I just, my head hurts. I have a headache, went to bed. Um, a few nights later, it was like two or three. My, I was putting my, changing my son's diaper in the middle of the night and he kicked me in the same spot. I had a seizure. I relapsed a few days later. Um, a few contributing reasons to this relapse. I went through a family crisis in 2014. Very, very, very hard family crisis. But this is the same or or this is connected to yes. hitting your head in the steering wheel and your son I, kicking you in, yes, in the face? Yes, I or? believe all of this contributed. Is it I all believe, the same time frame? Um, well, no. 2014, I was in the, the family, family crisis, okay. which created, reignited my depression for right. me and all Internal. that. Right, all of that. So I'm going through all of that. And then I hit my head. And I do it twice. The second time I have a seizure, pass out, um, wake up the next morning and I told my husband, I'm like, not okay. Something's not right. I don't know what it is, but I feel, I feel like I'm losing it. And I said, I don't know if it's the trauma. I don't know if I didn't know relapsed. And, and why did you not go get like scans immediately if you've already, or you not I mean, drawn, did you not have the correlation at this point? I didn't even know. So like, at this, I didn't at even this think... point though, then you're not, so in 2000, what year did that happen? 2017. So, okay. So this is relatively just a few yeah, years two ago. two years ago. So at that point, you still haven't connected the dots between never, head trauma and, and all the other stuff. Never. I didn't even, I never even thought that playing sports was a problem. You know, I didn't ever think that hitting my head could have 
that, caused... that hitting your head was a problem. Right. I, yeah. Yeah. Sorry. I didn't think that hitting my head was a problem. I didn't think that hitting my head would result in mood changes. I never knew that hitting my head what could possibly cause depression. I never knew that. Hitting... So when did you finally connect? What year did you finally connect the dots? So 2017. Um, I, so, I, so I relapsed and then... Um, relapsed on? Cocaine. Okay. And... And it, you're married at this time. With, mm-hmm, you know. My husband was not aware until the night of my suicide attempt. Um, I got on the roof. I, I got on... I climbed my roof in desperation. It's, I It was... And I, I jumped, attempting suicide. Mm-hmm. Um, if I could describe... So wh- when when is this... And okay, let's go back. You have the car accident, mm-hmm. the kick in the face, that whole thing. You have a seizure. Mm-hmm. Did you go to the doctor for the seizure? Mm-mm. But you manifested a seizure. Yes, I... Had you had a seizure before? No, I I remember I was just... I He kicked me and I was like, out. And then I remember like... I just remember. Are you like, just not like a go to the doctor type person? Like, no, I feel like anybody I, would be like, I'm having a seizure. I need to go get checked. I mean, yeah, I guess at this or time. Or just never came to. I mean, I guess I, I guess at the time I didn't know I had a seizure. I didn't know what a seizure was. I didn't know what a seizure felt like. I didn't know that when I was laying, you know. I, so then how do you know you had one? Well, when I had my assessment, the doctors asked, they they said, you know, what happened after you kicked your head? I said, I fell. And I would just remember like having an outer body experience, but it was dark. So I, I just remember, like I told him, I said, I was, I, it just felt like an outer body experience. If that makes sense. And they were like, okay, well that can indicate a seizure. So then I had an EEG and we were able to correlate the seizures. I was on seizure medication after my suicide attempt for four months so and, they they could tell from the scan that there uh-huh, had been seizure the activity. Yeah. So based on the assessment and the scan, they which were is able so to- crazy, dude, to think about because I could imagine. I mean, I've been around people that have had seizures, and wondering like, what is that? I mean, if you're in a dark room and it's the first time you've ever had one, like, how would you know? I didn't know. I was yeah. just I because was there's nobody ignorant. looking at you saying, "Oh, you're having a right. seizure." I just I woke up and I felt different. I felt. The like shifted. It's the only way shifted to describe what, it. Shifted what back or just new? It's shifted down, dark, mm. just shift. After like that. yeah, like I was. I lost loss of control is the best way for me to describe my head injury symptoms. I um, but at this time, you know, I I, I attributed it to the trauma. The family. Yeah. Trauma. I said, okay, well, I, I'm relapsing because I just went through I'm going through, through a lot. Yeah. But, um, so when I went to the hospital, um, I was sent to the same hospital that I was once an employee at. I'm a phlebotomist and I was sent to community regional and, um, it, in the ER, the only thing I said was I in don't the know, uh, in the R trauma. This is, I'm in trauma. But this is after what you jumped my off my suicide attempt. Yeah. So okay. So let's let's back up then. So you, how how long or short after the seizure and all that is this this suicide attempt? So the two and a half weeks from the time I. Got kicked in the head to the time that I jumped. And you jumped off your roof. Mm-hmm. How did you get on your roof? I 
I, cl- I climbed. Uh-huh. I climbed a fence. And just climbed up? Is this in the middle of the day, middle um, of the night? So what happened was the night of my suicide attempt, I... I, were you on drugs or yes. you were on cocaine? Yes. Yeah, I was in a I was in a relapse. Um, I had used earlier that day. And your husband knows you're back on cocaine at this point, or he doesn't? Um. He became aware, like an hour before I attempted. Mm. Um. He um. I came to him and I said, you know, I'm not I'm not doing well. Um, I need help. And he said, I need to go get, you know, help if, if that's the case. And I ended up leaving in my car. Um, when, in my relapse, it, I, I relapsed several times, mm-hmm. okay? Um, this time was just miserable for me. I didn't want to be there. I didn't want to feel that way anymore. It really felt like I was losing my mind. I... Remember, I felt like that young girl again. I, I would have done anything not to feel that way. I didn't know why everything was changing so rapidly. You know, I'm like, okay, well, I've been living with this this family crisis. Like, you know, why is this so different? It was like a, a wrecking ball inside of my brain. It was just going, mm-hmm. and I was, I was losing control. And so... The night of my, I had been showing, I believe, I had been showing suicidal tendencies. I had been reaching out to family members and loved ones. And I had been telling them that, you know, I was sad and that I think I needed to address the family crisis. Um, But there was also a part of me, I think, that minimalized. Which the crisis had to do with what? Death? Just family drama? Um, yeah, it custody. Okay, so there is yeah, custody issues. Lots of family, so. very, very tough, tough. I can't get into it. So, so okay, so but that's that's what you're blaming all this on, or or that's what at that point you were identifying that it's probably yes. that. Yes, I wasn't even thinking, you know, head injuries. I'm thinking, okay, well, I've just lived through jail, and you know, I, my family crisis. And you had I've been seen, in jail? Yeah, juvenile hall. Well, okay. juvenile yeah, hall. Yeah. I'm sorry, juvenile hall. And, um, you Which know. Which you were in juvenile hall for what? Six months. For? And, um, for, I was in the substance abuse unit. So okay. I went originally. But it was for a drug. For, why were you put in juvenile hall? I pushed my mom when okay. I was drunk and I threw a picture frame. Okay, so, so that, the whole thing got Yeah, there was a family door. altercation when I came home as a teenager and that was the triggering event. Again, the moods, the lack of control. Alcohol is my worst enemy. Alcohol and me, if I drink, I'm a totally different person. Mm-hmm. You know, my whole, it brings out that, that anger. Which it does though for a lot of people. I mean, right. you're not you're not the only one. So right. my thing is like, how how are you currently, or how have you? Because you still say there's you, you don't think at any point there was mental illness. What do you think it was a result? I of am then? not saying that there's no mental illness. I 
And you've been back to, I mean, you've obviously explored this. I, yeah, I'm not saying that the mental illness didn't occur during the head injuries. 100% I was mentally ill in the thick of my head injuries. That's the exact thing that happened. So, but you're saying you don't think mental illness led you to addiction. You think addiction led you to addiction. Like, do you think that it would, that it, there's some, that this, it's the, because here's the, here's the line that you're drawing for me is concussion, concussion. Mm -hmm. obviously led to mood all this stuff which right. would be connected to mental instability right which then l caused you to find things to medicate or right. or the suicide attempt right so are you saying though that your you know that that would that the concussion led to mental illness led to addiction but you also said that you don't think that you have mental illness I when I was in the thick of my head injuries whenever when I sustained the head injuries I believe that it brought out the hits to the head brought out the mood disturbances. Odd behaviors. Right. Diagnosing mental illness as opposed to brain injury are two different care plans. They're two different approaches. When you're saying somebody's mentally ill in addiction, there's no enabling. Make them hit their bottom. Kick them out. Make them live on the street. Don't let them eat. Yeah, Don't but, give that, them but money. that's not always true. That's right. not always true. Tony says the exact opposite. But of that's that what times. we were taught. That's okay. how I was. But handled. you could have been taught wrongly. Right. You know what I'm, I'm saying? not saying. Like, that's yeah, I'm obviously, not saying. Right. I mean, I've heard you know advice quite polarly opposite to that. So with addiction. With it. Well, with addiction. Yeah. Because right. because an addict. Um, it, it doesn't matter if they're if they're if they're down. They have to be at a place ready to want to change, which is something that you right. talk about, right? Right. And well, the other thing too with addiction is that you aren't supposed to enable. You know, you're supposed that I we you're taught not to give addicts money because they're going to go buy drugs. We were taught in like rehab and family therapy, like do not support. So, the but how addiction. is how is that different from what you? I mean, shouldn't people have cut you off as well? Right. Yeah. So, but so if if I when I had started getting my head injuries, let's say let's go back. Let's say I started sustaining head injuries. I came to my mom and I said, "Okay, I'm doing this sport and I'm having these head in, or I'm I'm not feeling well. I'm possible head injuries." There's a whole different route that I would have went. I would have went on a IEP with a return to learn, return to play. There's a whole system in place now. Yeah, but aren't you saying your your head injuries led to mental instability? Right. Not, not just physical, which is the two things you talked about. Right. It all it's all of it. My head injuries, they contributed to my physical pain, my mental pain, and my emotional pain. I my root diagnosis, my main diagnosis that I focus on is multiple brain injuries or multiple traumatic brain injuries. I know my my focus of my treatment is no longer the bipolar or schizophrenia. We have set that aside and we've started addressing the head injuries. And that looks totally different. When I rested from my head injury, it was dark room. You know, no. So adding the the support of the of the TBI treatment alongside, which is what is TBI treatment? Traumatic brain injury treatment ranges based on the brain injury. What is yours? So mine consists of, um, so <clears throat> a, when I had the suicide attempt, I had a subdermal subdural hematoma and I broke my right tibia and fibula. So. Part of my treatment was rest, was be in a dark room. I was really aware of sensory, so touch, sight, you know, all your five senses. Um, looking for those triggers for sensory overload. Um, 
you know, if I had a headache, you know, treating my headache, but the emotional, the emotional support that I, that you receive from traumatic brain injury support and the way that we address and talk to our brain injury and patients is totally different than mental illness. There's a, there's a totally different, even mindset it's you're gonna overcome this your brain's gonna heal but isn't that different isn't that also like homeopathic medicine versus just prescribing medication i mean isn't that more what you're talking about because right i mean there's people that would say the same thing about mental illness that you can overcome mental illness with you know yoga meditation there's certain things for again depending on where in the spectrum you fall Um, that you, there's certain things that you do have the ability to overcome with, right. d- I mean, just releasing endorphins in your body through exercise and all right. those kinds of things. There's, right. there's multiple ways to, so where, where, I mean, I, I hear what you're saying with, with the distinction between the two, but it almost sounds like an, a, a med, medicinal approach to right. solving or your, non-medicinal medicinal or non-medicinal right, approach. Depending on yeah. How, yeah. It, no, for sure. I mean, I think. I think for me, what I want to know is: Are you are you saying that your um, your injuries they didn't? You're not saying that those caused your addiction. I would, if you take away your brain injuries, would you still have been an addict? I don't know. I wouldn't. I mean, I I honestly, I'm not. I'm not sure. I don't know. In my story and the way that I view everything that happened, I don't know. I I wonder if I would have ever picked up a drug if I had. But what? Okay, so then what about mental illness? Because you said mental illness has also been in your family. Right. Would you have been? Would you have? I mean, you don't. You. To me, what what I hear you saying is there there may be mental illness, but you're not accepting that as the end of your story. You're fighting to do different things. You know, the the communities that you're part of. I'm willing to accept that I've struggled with mental illness. In the thick of my head injuries, I'm willing to ex- to accept that I ha- that there have bouts in my life where I have struggled, especially in the thick of multiple traumatic brain injuries. But for me, what it's important to understand that when you hit your head, it's going to cause A, B, and C, and D because for my earlier years, because I continued to hit my head while treating mental illness. So I'm treating this mental illness that could possibly stem from the brain injuries while continuing to get the brain injuries and the hole kept digging deeper. The right. meds kept getting higher. Right. The doses changed, the, the meds changed because we were unaware of the impact that hitting my head was having on my brain. So it created a very dark life. But the impact that was what? That was leading to mental illness or that was leading to addiction is my question. What It all play, it all plays hand in hand. I mean Like that's your message, right? That that we need to pay more attention to these physical hardships of right. brain injury because your core message is that it leads to other things. Right. And we don't currently know what all those things are. Right. But it very well possibly it's could a lead contributing to contributing factor that can lead to a number of issues. So if you hit your head, you're at an increased risk for addiction and substance abuse. It's if you hit your head, you're an increased risk 
for mental illness, whether it lasts or not. Yeah, but if you have it in your family, you're also an increased right. So, mm. so when you but go you're saying it's a it's another thing to watch out for. Contributing factor, yes. I believe that when I started hitting my head, mm. it triggered the mental illness. Gotcha. That AKA were the symptoms to brain. And injury. are there other studies that that agree with that line of thought that that brain injury can trigger yes. mental illness? So Dr. Ann McKee of Boston University, mm-hmm. she runs the BU Brain BU Brain Bank, mm-hmm. and she does all of the education on brain injury mm. and all of the autopsies and she's the leading lady for the science and the because research. a lot of this stuff you can't study till someone's dead post-mortem yeah so when they die so post-mortem what, i'm sorry it's no dead. it's okay <laughs> when you're dead till kicked the i know i can't even believe i uh, <laughs> whoa yeah. I'm, I'm getting in my yeah. room though yeah but um so so her know, studies say what her studies um have uh, along with dr amalu so she took over his work so Amalu is the movie doctor. Concussion, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Don't so say that word. I know. It's the, the TBI community. <laughs> They're really big. It's a big deal. Like, I get your it. terminology right because we're trying to educate. every community, uh, Yeah, right? Yeah. I know. Well, this is Don't my first, like... <laughs> no, I, it's totally fine. You're doing a good <laughs> no, job. No, I'm kidding. So talk me through. I want to know... Tell me about some of the science, some of the research. So, because it does seem, you know, still a very... Um, niche. Infantile. Yeah. Yeah. You know, thing. not mainstream, not fully, you know, uh, aw- there's not a whole lot of awareness around it. So talk to me about the science, though, you know, so, bigger, bigger than obviously you can draw. I mean, you're almost like a case study in the matter. Exactly. Because, yeah. You know, you have these experiences that have been written down in your diary or journal or whatever that show this correlation. My curiosity is what is the science saying? So I I hate to speak on science because I'm not a doctor, but Dr. McKee has, through her research through CTE, um, what she has figured out is that when you hit your brain, your brain releases what's called the tau protein. And this protein has been linked to Alzheimer's and dementia. Actually, Dr. Ann McKee won a huge award for Alzheimer's research because of her link to CTE. Um, and so this tau protein, what happens is you hit your head and this tau protein is released into the brain and this tau protein kills neurons. It kills what reads things Mm -hmm. and it, it changes the way your brain functions. We can't, we can look at where you hit and we can kind of put it together like a puzzle. Like, well, we know your frontal lobe handles emotions. So if you hit your head in your frontal lobe, you're more likely to possibly have the emotional symptoms that may lead to depression, schizophrenia, bipolar. So depending on the hits, where they're at, and the functions of those brains, we're able to put together that puzzle to give you more information to be more successful. Mm. Just like when you go in for a mental illness diagnosis, what do you do? You give them your symptoms. Oh, well, today I'm sad. You know, I, I do you, you know, you describe mania and you're diagnosed mania and bipolar. You know, it's the same thing. You know, when you go in for a brain injury assessment, you're going to sit down and they're going to say, hey, what? Tell me about your life. Tell me about oh, what happened. How many times do you think you've hit your head? Yeah, but she's you're saying she's also studying the actual brain right, organ right. of the brain. I'm sorry, I got off. Right. So yeah, so she she actually cuts 
up the brain, looks at it under a microscope, and diagnoses CTE based on this tau protein. Um, different stages are stage one, two, three, and four. Every stage has a different system or symptomatic protocol, just like a mental illness. Like there's going to be a list of symptoms, and based on these symptoms and then her autopsy, she's able to diagnose CTE. But she's linking brain injury to mental illness is my question. I don't, I don't. Because that's my yes, thing. Is like yeah, how- yeah. Essentially, yeah. She's linking multiple hits to the head to schizophrenia and, and, the, and the various. Um, so I guess in terms, yes. If you hit your head enough, you're going to be mentally that ill. that could be. You will. That could be uh, revolutionary as it revolutionary. pertains to. Because that, that changes the combo from. Just being because CTE, you know, people. What are the what is the risk of that? I mean, what are some of the risks? I don't know. Do you? What are like? I mean, I know that you find out after your death. Like a lot of people find out after their after. Are you gone. wanting to know what are the risks like while you're no, alive? I'm like your like, behavior or no, like because I don't. I don't. It doesn't sound like the the. It doesn't sound like the science is there yet. Right. It sounds right, like there's. Yeah. There's like okay, you had it, so you might have at, at the but it's like at the end of you're your life, or risk, you're you know okay. you're gonna die a little bit early, but you still live, you can still you're, live to be older. But I'm saying like to to connect the dot to say, you know, those head traumas could lead to schizophrenia, right? I mean that's a that's a bold statement. Well, it's or, not it's not only bold, but it's I feel like for uh, we humans are designed somehow, or they're they're um, normal disposition is to live for the moment right? right so if i'm if i'm 30 40 if i'm 20 and a football player i'm not really worried about when i'm 70 right you know what i'm saying you don't and, have to be 70 but that, but what i'm saying is right. with as far as cte is concerned most people you don't find out until you're dead right right or unless you attempt suicide and and save your brain which is what a but lot that's of what, but that's what i'm saying right, so there's so. So what's what is the what is what's the downside of it? I have it, but but what? I still can live. You know what I'm saying? Like I right. feel like a lot of people because they're we are a live in the moment society. It's not well. What is it really going to harm? What is it going to really right. hurt? You know. I think to a 20 year old to think, well, I'm going to live to be 75, 80. Well, that's good enough for me. You know, until right. you're 50 or 60, 60 years old, and you're like, I don't know, but right. it's too late at that point. Right. But I think the awareness of of drawing the you know, connecting the dots that it could cause, it could be, it could be causing more issues nearer than, you know, 70 right. it could be, you know, you could lead to schizophrenia in your thirties and your forties. Right. Aaron Hernandez is a really good example of CTE. He was 27. I believe he had stage four when they autopsied him and he, oh my gosh, if you look at his life, he really struggled. And he's, and, and, and the thing that's really important about brain injuries is they don't just happen to sports. Domestic violence is a huge contributing factor to brain injury. A lot of domestic violence victims. Um, physical vi- violence, sexual violence. I mean, people are facing head, head injuries daily. I mean, there are people that, that see this daily. Yeah, but, but, but the whole thing is more awareness about head injuries and what? Protect your head? Because once the damage is done, is the damage not I done? Think the, I think the strength behind what I advocate for is that awareness. You know, yes, you... Which is what? Protect, protect, knowing that you need The awareness is that if you choose to hit your head and you start to have these symptoms, emotional symptoms, you need to stop. And you, and now we know like, okay, well, if, 
you know, if we are aware of brain injury and we pull our children out of the game, we give them so in some ways you are against the sport kids it's up to your it's up to your parent i mean yeah but we're talking you i mean that's the whole your message right right. kids are hitting their i will not allow my kids so but your i mean your message then is in some ways sports that that have to do with head trauma you are against those i yeah i would not recommend um my loved ones or my community yeah. members to put their children in football at fifth and sixth grade. The, they're asking that we don't do tackle football till age 14. Um, my colleague Brenna is really passionate about the sports being modified and changed and updated. And so I agree about, with her. So, but what about but, like people that are grown? Like you've made your decision. You, you know, right. that's what you want to do. That's I mean, what you want to do. Is that the kind of mentality or? I think it's, uh, yeah, I think it's like anything in life. If you want to take that risk, you're, you're allowed to take that risk, but, but know the risk you're taking. But yeah. Like we have all of this education out there and this awareness and it, and anytime you're given education and awareness, you're given a tool. So, Brain injury awareness and education in my life has become a tool in my tool belt. Um, am I schizophrenic? No, I'm not schizophrenic. I do not live a schizophrenic life. My daily life is not schizophrenic. I've been, you know, I've gone to doctors. I'm actively going to doctors. That was a complete, you know, misdiagnosis. Mm-hmm. I now who, to say that when I was in the thick of multiple head injuries that I was showing symptoms. symptoms. Absolutely. And there is a possibility that if you hit your head enough or the right way or your brain might decide that that's its new baseline. And you may have that. But that's what you're saying about the lady studies, correct? Right. So, you know, the Dr. McKee was able to link the tau protein and CTE to a lot of these behaviors that were going on in the football players that were struggling is she like, so much. Is there a lot of other, is this still so new that no, she's, I mean, there's she's like very the few. leading lady. I'm pretty sure the Boston brain study, I don't know if it's the only one, but it's the most prevalent one. It's, mm-hmm. it's very, she's trying right now as we speak every day. Have to, you, have you connected with her? I haven't. I've been looking into joining a study. Well, wouldn't she want your information? I, I mean, know. I, I don't like even know how to, how to reach out to her. I just re- email her. I don't know. I know. Slide into her DMs. Like a- <laughs> I know, like I did you. <laughs> hey, I love- yeah. hey, I love your podcast. Yeah. <laughs> um, I... <laughs> I would love to be a part of a study. I have donated my brain to pink concussions. Um, I have to send them my medical records still. They're probably going to kill me. But um, I have donated my brain. And part of that process, you have to divulge all of your medical records. And like my puzzle, they go through and they create that puzzle. And then when you donate your brain, they're going to dig into it. So the more brains we get, the more education or I mean, the stronger this this study becomes. The goal is to be able to diagnose it in the living. They do have, I believe they, I don't know if it's out or what, but they had, I had heard that they were creating a blood test to be able to check for the tau protein, mm-hmm. if I'm correct. I don't quote me on that. I'm not 100% sure. But so I know they're working towards a diagnostic route for they're trying to like ct is like kind of like the new cancer it's like we're trying to figure out how to diagnose this because it's a a bold statement it's not the new cancer i mean it's not it is a bold statement but it's a degenerative brain brain disease once it starts cancer is a whole i mean yeah that's probably an appropriate 
comparison, but I, I say in the sense that your, like, your passion point is that it, it you you think it needs just as much. As, yeah, you know, yes, you think it needs attention. Yeah, I need, you need I, it needs attention. It's our brains. Yeah. You know, we have our men out here with walking and women possibly walking around with a degenerative brain disease who are completely unaware that these functions and these behavior behaviors could be stemming from that. Does it change anything, though? I mean, if, if you knew it. What? I do. I, it changed something for me. I mean, for me, knowing that um, these brain injuries, you know, create these problems for me it, and the education that came with learning about the brain and its functions. But does it and, change anything for the victims? I, I mean, what I, I hear guess, is that it changes more for the future. If people right. can get passionate about it so that right. our kids and our kids' kids are like, guys, yeah. that these things that we've incorporated as pastimes or, um, or even just, I mean, you talk about domestic violence, the importance of you know, the, the relationships that you get into, not, you know, evaluating those from the start and right. really like, like those kinds of, for the, for the future. But if somebody finds out now, I mean, yeah, that's why, that's why I'm saying like, back. I think that even the, the cancer comparison is like CTE, if you find it, you're going to still have to treat it, you know, the same way as if any, anything else, like you're going to choose either I'm going medicinal or I'm going more, I'm going, you know, right. uh, other right. ways with, meditation and right you know. I think I meant with cancers it's like we we treat everyone's cancer so differently based on their cancer you know cancer treatment is it depends on what stage you're at your you know your treatment depends on you know what's going on I guess what I meant is with brain injury you know your treatment is so specific to you and your education and awareness is so specific to your brain that, and it is a, a silent killer. You know, CTE is living inside some of us and we don't even know. You know, we have a degenerative. But what is the average age of people that die of CTE? I mean, I, it varies on how many times you've hit your head and how quickly the I just haven't, protein. I haven't heard a whole lot of studies of like, you know, a 30 year old died and the reason they died was CTE. Right. Or the, I mean, I, the only where people die of cancer at, as children, right, right, no, yeah, I you know what I'm saying? Yeah, no, I, I, know I it's what not I hear what you're talking about, what you're talking about is it's important, and right. we need to do research and realize, right. hey, maybe these levels that you're talking about mean something. You know, right. it's like me saying, can we do something about it? Does it? Well, maybe, maybe not. We, right. If there was more research on it. Right. Then there would be more understanding. Right, right, right. But there's only so much research we can do, you know, on cancer, and it unfolds daily. And just like CTE, there's only research, so much research we can do, and it unfolds daily. You know, we have break breakthroughs all the time with it. And mm -hmm. so, you know, I imagine at some point with every diagnosis, before they really knew there was this discovery period and I feel like that's where we're I guess that's a better comparison is that it's we're in a discovery period with this disease mm -hmm. um do I have CTE I don't know I do I have PCS yes I for sure know I have post concussive syndrome I did have a major TBI in 2017 following my suicide attempt so regardless you know if I had found out about the brain injuries younger or not I'm living with one now and that what you had, you went to a doctor or something? Is I had a saying? brain bleed. So, 
um, when I jumped from the roof, you know, and I hit my right. brain, I had the brain bleed. So I had a major did or you mild. Fall, did you fall on your head? I did, yeah. I did land, you just head dove? I, yeah, I landed on my leg, hit a wall, and then my face stopped. Do you think that fall. that was because, though, you were on cocaine? I think that it all contributed, yes. Yeah, Your I, mental absolutely. instability, obviously, because you're not in your right mind. Right, right. And I think that on top of that, having the brain injuries intensified my symptoms i had i have used drugs many times you know and so your whole push here correct me if i'm wrong is not to say that brain injuries cause addiction and brain injuries cause mental illness but you're pushing for maybe they do can it we can, can can we study this more can we look right. into it more right because if we can maybe we can keep our kids and our kids kids you know uh, proactively away from things that could lead them towards developing an enhanced, um, you know, addiction or whatever that may may already be there, may not, but could be enhanced by head right. Trauma. I think that when we look at things, we always look at contributing factors, triggering events. You know, for addiction, when there are things that trigger relapses, right? Like, so um, say you have different triggers in life. It could be you're driving down the street and you see your old drug house. Like for some people that could be a trigger or a song, a certain song you maybe right. used to use to. Smell. Right. So for me, when, when I learned about brain injuries and I went back into my life and did my assessment, I realized that at a very young age, I possibly started receiving brain injuries. So for me, you know, that was my my norm, you know? And so looking, you know, looking back is that as a contributing factor on based on my story and the things I had been through and the fact that I hadn't faced that trauma and those changes started occurring for me, that triggering event that opened the floodgates to my emotions leading to the addiction was the brain injuries hmm. for me. And that really spoke to me when I was educated on brain injuries and the possible outcomes of brain injuries, whether it be mental, physical or emotional. I was for me, that was a, a huge one of the if not most contributing. Factors. So part of your activism, though, is that we need more research. On yes, this. we need more research. We need more. OK, Fresno is very behind in brain injury awareness and education. We there are other states and cities that have concussion clinics like brain injury clinics where people come in and it's a one stop shop for, you know, neuropsych or speech therapy is a huge part of brain injury. That's not a part of addiction. I've never even What's heard the physical side, right? Well, speech therapy does more than just like speech. the mental that connects to physical. Right. So they do several different things from helping you with your attention and focus, giving you strategies to um, there's different testing I um, did in my um, speech therapy rehab where, you know, I was given um, things to remember and I had to regurgitate it and I worked a lot on my memory and. I, I worked a lot on how my brain processes information and it was just like a really thorough neurological standpoint, like point of view, as opposed to like emotional. I, 
I have had so much psychological help um, being that I sought it. For me, the emotional part and, and learning to cope, that part made a lot of sense to me. Um, I know I said, you know, I don't, I don't believe I'm mentally ill. I believe that I get depressed, but I don't think I have depression. Well, a lot of people, right, that's very right, human. Right. So, you know, to, to be told, okay, well, my brain is sick. I have this, you know, young, I'm mentally ill. I'm going to be taking these medications for my life. It kind of stops for me. It stopped my growth. It was like, okay, well, this is it. You know, I got to do this and this is it. And, you know, when I realized that... But isn't that, though, isn't that more being... You're, you're pushed into coping. Right. Rather than overcoming. Right. Changing. Yeah, Moving exactly. past. Moving past. You know, here's, here are the facts. To me, that's the thing about awareness, right? It's the birthplace of change. Right. Here's where we're at. How do we move past here? Right. But that, to me, that I mean, that conversation, it holds hands with the ones we're talking about, but it's also very different because it's... That's, a, that's the whole, uh, you know quick to prescribe, you know, diagnose people with stuff that, I've, you know, is right. a part of our world and a part of our society that we got to be more intentional. If we can connect the dots of some of this brain injury, knowing, hey, guys, this this trigger stuff. Right. There are a lot of things that we can do. Humanity is resilient. Right. The human body is resilient. Have you seen that guy on, uh, I've seen him on Instagram. I don't remember his name, uh, but his wife is like a yoga instructor or something. And he went through some some sort of, I think they were in a car accident or something. And I've kind of tracked their story. I don't remember. I can't remember the name. But they they were, um, I've tracked them for months. And like when he, I mean, he couldn't move, couldn't do anything. And now like he can stand. It's remarkable. He can, yeah. he can say, I love you. Like his, like it's coming back, but it's coming back. I mean, she's, she's, she's very mentally disciplined and. The, I mean, that's part of the whole yoga thing, right? So she has the the mental discipline and fortitude and patience to work with him. And it's it's incredible how resilient the body, the mind, all these things are right. if you'll work with it and, right. and push it and challenge it and right. stretch it. And, right. You know. And I think that's the approach that's so important with brain injury is that it's it's very much so like we're going to work together as a team to teach you to walk again or to teach you to talk again. If you have a severe brain injury, you lose all your functions, you know, for the amount of support that you receive is really imperative in any healing journey. And every part of support matters. You know, I ha I'm not taking a magic pill that's changed my life and, and made everything better. I've incorporated things on top of my recovery and my Are you on medication? I am not. I've been 100% medication free for 2 years. Which is part of I think then is this also also part of your message then if we can draw correlations between some of the mental stuff or you know with the brain injury then a lot of your push is that we can fix some of we can fix yeah, some of this. Yeah, I really think that with through a re like physical rehab, mental rehab. Right, it's not easy for it was not the 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 healing journey for me to get to this place where I'm at today. You know, when I, when I first got the brain injury and broke my leg, I, I couldn't walk for four months. I, I was having seizures and it was just so, you know, intense and having the brain injury awareness during all of it. I think the hardest part about being brain injured and, and 
for me being an athlete was like, I went from being my physical best to unraveling at mm. my core, like, and not just your physical best. It's where it was where you it was it was your significance, right? And even my mental best. I mean, you know, when gymnastics is ninety percent mental, ten percent. Yeah, but physical. lose that, and then it's like, who am I? Right, and it was like I was losing all of the, like I said, all of the things that I called me, uh. and I was unraveling at my core, and it was like. What is it's like somebody pulling your belly button and just like going like this. Yeah. And so when I was educated and counseled about brain injury, I I was able to put back together those pieces that never made sense that fell. Mm. I for sure had a goal of going to rehab and like not having to use something to be happy. I think everybody has a goal. For me, medication was like not. I became medication for okay, I've been medication free for 2 years, but I became medication free when I actually had my son. When I was 19 and I got pregnant and I asked the doctors to wean me off. So I had been medication free when I had him and then on and off throughout my sobriety, anxiety medication was something that I always went to for help because I struggled, struggled a lot with anxious feelings and that brain, brain injury can result in that. And so um, I think all my life it was like, I just never really understood what, why those changes occurred, what happened, why I felt so different. And so, you know, just having that education and awareness and that counseling, you know, when I would do things, I would feel so much less than like, for example, I would clean my house and I would work so hard and it would suck. <laughs> it wouldn't be very well. And then, you know, my, my husband would clean. I'd be like, oh my gosh, how do you do that so well? And I would always just feel like, and this before I'm counseled on brain injury, I would always be like, what the heck? I'm so like, I can never, not that I'm comparing to my husband, but I just never felt like I was my personal best, even though I was present, I tried. And this went on for many years of my life. And that's just a little example. Yeah. And this is, but that's where I think we just need more research. Right. Because I, there's people that don't have brain injuries that feel that way. Right. But <laughs> there's, there's people that don't have brain injuries, brain injuries that right. look at their spouse and think, oh, crap, you do that a whole lot right. better than me. How come I can't get my life together? So, I mean, but I, I hear what you're saying. There could be a correlation. Well, it's the counseling. Regardless if there is or not for me, yeah. I was educated on brain injury, awareness, and function, and my life's improved. Which is awesome. Right. Like, I, I now set timers. You know, I, I don't know. Maybe it was my doctors. Like, maybe I didn't yeah. have good doctors that were educating me. Like, oh, we'll set a timer. I don't know. It took a speech therapist to put me through speech therapy before I ever correlated this. But what I think would be really strong and what mm. I would love to see is our addiction counselors and our addiction centers be educated on brain injuries yeah. so that – when our addict, when us in active addiction go out and get in a physical altercation or fight, we when we come back to rehab, should we come back, we can take that head injury assessment and take that into account for our moods. Right. So while we're healing, maybe as counselors in addiction, we can be aware that our patient is going to 
possibly pull out of this Mm -hmm. as the brain heals as the brain heals things are going to change things are going to get better things might get worse it's we we can't say it's your well it's like what you said at the beginning it it gives you missing pieces of the equation that you don't fully have i took it very personal that i was losing all of these skills yeah skills strong skill sets focus attention stuff that you felt you used to have executive function and that's a lot of it for you too is like you it's not that you just didn't have things it's things that you had and it's like they disappeared and i and i feel like too i know for me like i feel like i feel like i didn't i didn't ever struggle with depression and stuff and it feel it really truly felt like like one day i woke up and my whole brain was Mm. different it wasn't one day. I'm sure it was a per, a progression. I'm sure I came to my mom if she, you know, tallied back and I was like, hey, mom, today I feel like this, like after practice, you yeah. know, if we had maybe been more aware of the correlation, maybe my mom could have said, hey, I think that you're hitting your head. Let's pull you in and get you on an IEP and see how you perform in school. I think, too, a lot of times, you know, as kids, like we're hitting our heads and we're not getting that support in the school system with return to learn, which is a is a there's a return to learn and a return to play. It's a six and four step program that the schools can implement and you go through different tiers and, you know, based on your healing, like once you get one skill, okay, now you can add more screen time or class time. You think about the level of support we're providing our students, which is beautiful and great. We didn't have that in the 90s and 2000s. It was like, sit down, be quiet, you know, do mm-hmm. your work. And you're so you're asking a brain injured or disabled, however you want to look at it, person to perform it at the expectation that they've always performed. And that starts changing and we're and people start wondering what's going on. And our first inclination is Oh my gosh, they're they're becoming mentally right. ill. Medicate, Medi- do medication, medication. Diagnose. Let's fix, fix band aids. I'm, I'm just saying. Sometimes it's like band aid, band aid. Okay, we fix, fix, fix. And then we have these kids going in sports. It's kind of scary to think that there's young men and women taking psych medications and still hitting their heads. Right, and the whole thing is, you know, if that's the case, and people do need medication for help, you know, the ones that do, or people that can use natural means to move life forward. It's, it's about, I think, a couple of different things. One, um, helping those people. Absolutely. And then bringing awareness to the fact that, guys, we don't have to keep dealing. We're, 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 we are the cause right. of some of this, right? right. And I yeah, feel accountability. Like, so, I mean, there's no doubt this, this road, I mean, that has to be walked. I think, is, it's, uh, I think this is one thing that is super inspirational about what you're doing is that you're forging a path for something that isn't isn't super talked about a lot you know and you have to deal with the tough questions and you have to deal with the uncertainty you have to deal with me saying well how do you know for sure you know know what i'm saying but that's part of being a pioneer and so i want you to be encouraged with that to know that this this is a journey that you're anybody who's ever set out on a journey like this to say hey guys we need to pay attention to this they've had to go through what people in your seat are going through um so i think it's important to you know to keep fighting for that because the more honestly the more the more people can see, you know, again, in a society where we want to, we don't really care. We live for today. It's just human right. condition where we can see this is affecting you today. This is affecting your kids. Right. The more we can draw those correlations, I think, the more it's going to help people. How can people stay in touch with your journey and what you're doing 
as more information comes out and as your you know platform grows and all that what's the best way for them to get in touch with you um, well, we run the Central Valley Concussion Consortium, so you can reach out to Brenna. If you have any concussion questions, you can email her. She Okay, works. so if you're in the Central Valley area. If yeah. you're out of the Central Valley, do the same thing? I mean, is it is that still? Yeah, a, I mean, if so you're... So what is the, what is the, where can they email? Um, so it's... Or what, what, give a website or something? Community Regional Medical Center, Brenna Hughes. It's, I think it's bhughes at communityregional.com. Okay. Or they can reach or, out to you. Yeah, they can reach out to me on Instagram, um, Facebook. They have a Facebook. But, um, yeah, if you have questions, you need medical advice um, or direction to go in, Brenna um, can provide all of that for you. Um, if you're looking for addiction resources or... Yeah. Um, more questions about how brain injury links to, you know, the mental yeah. part and the addiction. Yeah, you can reach out to me um, through Instagram or my email. Um, it's my name, KelseyGasson.com. <laughs> but yeah. Um, and we'll we'll post all of that in uh, right. down in the information uh, below on, on YouTube as well as on uh, wherever you get your podcasts. But Right. I appreciate you stopping by. Thanks for the conversation. I appreciate right. your work and what you're doing. Thank you. Um, man, if you're out there listening and you any of these signs, any of these similarities, uh, you know, sound uh, similar or familiar to you, reach out to Kelsey. I think that this is something that we all should pay attention to in a journey we should go on together. Yeah. To hopefully push not just, you know, our valley, of course, but our I think our, our world forward. Yeah. Oh. I, I appreciate you stopping by. Thank you so much. Thank you.